Oh, yeah. And if you let your boy BC digress for a second, I got something new to tell you about. How about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? How about a vehicle equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family? And if you're looking for features, the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has you covered, like available H-Trek all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some of that mud. And with standard third-row seating, you can make sure the whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads make sure no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Make sure you can worry less about the rugged terrain to come. Want to learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, April 27th, 2020, and it is time for Morning Combat. Hello, donks. My name is Luke Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. I am one half of your hosting duo, the other half on the other side of the screen. You know this gentleman from CBS Sports, among many other gas stations across the land. It is the one and only 7-Eleven Cumberland Farms connoisseur. It's Brian Campbell. Brian, how are you? Good, sir. I am fired up, Luke. It's a new dawn. Uh, Yo, Luke, do you remember that routine that we used to make spiffy like Mr. Clean? I'm a tidbit, I'm a smidgen, it's called Covering Fights, it's back baby, BC's back, fights are back, you can take your island and shove it, Luke, I want to get back into that, that cocoon of normalcy and let that butterfly start to pop back out again, if you know what I'm saying, Luke, okay, you know where, you know where I'm going with that? It's a tortured metaphor, but I'll let it slide just the same, I've had a gallon of Pepto-Bismol, BC, I feel great and ready to go, your weekend was okay? Yeah, yeah, this is a good week. Good weather in in uh, in Connecticut. A little, you know, a little little hiking, little uh, little action with the dogs. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I'm back. Look, I feel like my quarantine soul has been healeth, and I see the light. I'm coming for it, Luke. I'm coming. All right. Well, with that in mind, we started a little bit early today because we wanted to make sure that we gave you guys enough time for a fuller show. So, with that being said, BC, let's get into topic one. All right. Let's do it well, now. We, want it. we uh, do want to pressure people to uh, understand oh, right. that for this show to Go continue ahead. to succeed as it is, Luke. I mean, come on. You know. Sorry, I forgot. Before I get into it, first, thumbs up, uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel, and how could I forget? I'm a little bit rusty, of course. If you would like to try Showtime for free, a free trial... You can go do that right now. Go to Showtime.com and just head over there. All the information you need. If you like it, you can stick around. If you don't, you can bounce. Either way, it's up to you. And this show, it stays free. So it's gratis. Just watch it. Subscribe. Like the video. Without further ado, Brian Campbell, let's get into it, shall we? All right. Very good. Topic one here right away as I expertly slide to the right of the screen. Uh, the graphic comes up. Here we go, BC. UFC announced last week three events in seven days, a Saturday, a Wednesday, and a Saturday. The first of them will be the zombie, essentially, that is UFC 249. Now, let me start with the most basic elemental question about all of this, BC, which is, what is the Brian Campbell level of confidence that not one, not two, but all three in that seven-day period 
take place? I'm going to go 95%. Luke, I really feel like we are past the hurdle that we needed to get past, which was Dana White and UFC getting in line with a state commission, in this case Florida, the, the only one currently of the 50 that's opening these doors, but I believe it will be the start of many more if you're following uh, the news, to do this the right way, Luke. Yes, it's ambitious, three cards in seven or eight days, but it's all going to be in the same city, Jacksonville, the same arena, the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena, and this is the start we needed, and this is the right way to do it, which is really the key important part. Um, I don't think that Dana White's early ambition was necessarily fueled by the right things. I, there was definitely reckless tones in nature to what he was doing. A lot of the criticism was deserved. But I did ask you that question probably about a month ago on this show, Luke. Will there become a time during this fight when Dana White kind of goes from like reckless crazy guy, I have secured an island, to almost like Robin Hood of pro sports to bring this back. Now, that's a little bit too generous of a statement to put on the guy, but he's creating this light at the end of the tunnel to get our jobs moving again and, and, and I guess provide entertainment for people that are that are sorely lacking it and to get his fighters back in there. And again, final answer, if it can be done safely and correctly, yes, I'm all in on it. I talked to Demetrius Johnson this week, who of course fights for one championship, and he summed it up as simplistic as I've heard it, Luke. If you can have people fly in and arrive at a site, if they can all be tested and everyone's safe and they enter a building, well, they should be able to exit that building without contracting the COVID-19. So as long as we can stay in that mind frame and have people flying in and out and keeping the structure safe, Luke, let's freaking do this, bro. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's not as correct, and that's just, it's not that simple at all, which is why this whole thing could potentially become a disaster. But that's a separate point I'd like to make. Will, to answer the first question, what is my confidence that the first three will take place? High, very high. In fact, I suspect that you indicated Florida's open first for business, other states will follow. I think that's true. Now, I also think some states are going to open for business and then close again and then open again and then close again. There's going to be this rolling... I'm not going to say inability to stay open, but people are going to have to make adjustments on the fly based on how this whole thing goes. And I think whether Florida does it or, or doesn't, you're going to see some of this, yes, start, but then back up and then starting back up again. It's just not going to be a linear process. But as for those three next week, the first one, I'd say 100% it happens. Second one, I'm going to say 100%. The third one, I'll say 99 because Lord only knows what kind of complicating factor could happen in those first two shows that maybe captures people's imaginations and leads to scrutiny. It's hard to say exactly. So I'm still saying it's a virtual guaranteed lock all three happen. I would just be a little bit cautious about the last one. After that, though, it's really hard to tell. Dana White telling... Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports, they've submitted a 30-page paper to the governor in Nevada to show all the things they're going to do from a safety standpoint to get that business up and running again if they can end up lifting some of the social restrictions. So do they go back to Nevada after that? Do they stay in Florida somewhere? He said by the 23rd of next month, they'll be back there. But I think for next week, Brian, my level of confidence that those three shows take place is high. The question then becomes a little bit different, which is... Is it a good idea, given that we know Florida, what do you want to say, Brian? Not known as one of the better commissions? They crazy yeah, not, down not, there. 
Yeah. <laughs> not known as one of the better commissions in the sport. Now, your point is well taken. I absolutely agree. This is not April 18th all over again. This is not some rush. This is not self-regulating when the, when the peak of the virus has hit the country and going outside of the commissions. It's the opposite. They've got the governor involved. They've got the mayor involved. And they've got the commission involved. And whatever you want to say about their level of oversight, that's the state giving their consent to it that's a brand new ball game plus they've had more time to refine some of their processes around protocol although we still don't know much that being said brian here's my point about this do i think something's going to go wrong the first show no second show no third show probably not who knows when and how but my point about florida is this they put on a show at the height of the pandemic or at least the height of the beginning of the pandemic i'll just say this the beginning of the pandemic and they didn't do any COVID testing whatsoever. They did temperature checks at the weigh-ins, and that was really about it, right? So to me, it's like I trust the UFC to do more than I do the state of Florida. And the two together, maybe that's enough to keep everyone safe. But I go back to what Margaret Goodman said. I'm not going to hector the MMA world at this point. Everyone's got their opinion on this. You have enough information to make a decision about it. But when we get back to like what safe actually is... Testing someone outside the, the business uh, and the venue actually isn't good enough because you can get a lot of false positives, so or false negatives, rather. So that doesn't tell you a whole lot. So my only point of this is they're going to do, I think, as much as they reasonably can because the UFC doesn't want this to come back on them. But to me, that's not the same thing as saying we've crossed all the T's and we've dotted all the I's. There's still risk involved. I got two points to, 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 to say in response to that, and I, and I think you're right on, on all that. Uh, Number one is that, you know, not to get socio-political on you because I largely try to avoid that, but I do think it's time for events like this to take place. There's a middle ground now. I don't think the state of California or Florida should flood with thousands of people on the beach, which we're seeing. I don't think that's safe, but I think a in-between sort of setup where you could go to your barber and have one person in there at a time or get your nails done or sit at a cafe four tables apart whatever the middle ground is for regular life it's time the the the, the economy cannot hold this up and obviously it's harder to do that in inner cities as it is in the suburbs where things aren't as uh insane at the moment I think this level of no crowd fighting, perfectly reasonable to fit in the middle of that. But it goes back to echo that first point about doing it right. And a couple weeks ago, I thought Dana Wright was wrong. Right now, I think he's nine-tenths of the way there to doing right. That one-tenth, though, is potentially troubling. And what that it, it constitutes, Luke, I'm sure you saw the Instagram Live he did with Brett Okamoto, ESPN, and then the follow-up with Kevin Ioli in both he purposefully dodged or outright d decided not to answer that direct question. Will you have COVID testing on site for the fighters and staff? And the purpose of that is really what, what questions you of why, right? I'm not going to say he's not answering because the answer is no. And he's trying, you know, he's trying to pull one by us. I think it's more of him just holding his ground and being like, I'm blaming all this on the media. So I'm going to continue to stiff arm you, but we got it. If long as the testing's going on and everything's safe, I don't actually want the details or care. Okay, I do. I'm a journalist. I want to know. But I'm not going to be pressing and getting it at that point. But why wouldn't you say yes? Why wouldn't you nod your head even yes and just go oh, like, look, I'm not giving you the details, but yes, obviously. The fact that he's been very hard at that edge and saying, nope, not going to answer that. Not going to, quote, feed the media anymore. I've done that before. I'm not going to do it anymore. 
This ain't feeding the media. This is answering the most important question in this entire equation. So Dana's reluctance to actually confirm COVID testing and instead use it as a generic, look, we're all about health and safety. We've always been. That's a little bit troubling at this point, obviously. Um, we're watching the fights at home. We're not there. We don't have as much of a stake involved. If you're telling me this is just his response, behind the scenes it's all buttoned up, then that's cool. But this was weird, as was his reluctance in telling Brett Okamoto in that same interview where the site was, even though A, it was already reported, and B, the UFC put out a press release during that interview. That's a little bit bizarre behavior. If we can get away from that, and Jay's wanting me to get away from that right now because he feels I'm holding down the show, um, we'll be in a great spot, Luke, and I'll have really no criticisms. Like I said, here's the thing. I, I don't think there's any way they have that show without COVID testing, and I would say multiple layers of it. I'm sure that, again, the UFC does not want blowback on themselves. I am certain that in their minds, they're doing everything possible. The question is, are they right? And without any kind of transparency about what they're trying to do, <laughs> maybe yeah probably i mean no one really knows the last thing i'll say about this is you're right about it it's like when fight island is ready do you think that they're not going to brag about everything that they have on that island about every facility about every t they've crossed every i they've dotted everything they have from a health and wellness standpoint to a training standpoint and everything else in between they're going to brag about every element of it all the way down as well they should they'll have earned it my only point being is if you want to brag about something like that, why wouldn't you brag about the safety protocol that you've also claimed to figure out? You're not telling Brett or me or you. You're telling the public, and that's what they're denying. But, again, I think it'll probably be fine for the first few shows. After that, who the hell knows? I guess we're going to have to figure out this all out and see. Now, there's someone who has dissented, BC. I'll go back to you on this. Let me make sure I get my very professional gangster lean on here as I move to point two. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Bellator president Scott Coker has, he didn't come out and say he was against it, BC, but what he did say was the following argument. Let me summarize it if I may. If you're going to be this ambitious about being first, UFC said they want to be the first ones back. If you're going to do that, you have to be very, very careful. Because if you don't get that right, it doesn't really blow back against UFC. It blows back against the industry. Is Scott Coker raising a fair concern? Or is this concern trolling because he's going to get beaten to the punch? Uh, maybe a little bit of both, maybe in the middle there. I certainly don't, uh, you know, come at him for saying that, but at the same time, there were some elements of Dana White's fight this whole time that have been true that in the end, somebody has got to be first. So let's 
fight and try to find a solution and a way to pull it off. And it just so happens that right now, timing-wise and the, and the methods that UFC is reportedly going to be using do make it seem like the right time, at least for me personally, and i am I'm got a microphone in front of me and giving you my take, that it's okay. But it's also very hard to know when it is okay, Luke. Whether now is a horrible idea and two months from now is better or three months from now, but obviously... We're all facing our own version of a battle of what will our personal economy look like at that point. I'm lucky to keep getting checks right now. Some people are getting nothing. But even Dana White echoed maybe with an evil laugh on his face when he was talking to Kevin Ioli uh, that, you know, a lot of these media people that he hates are going to be losing their jobs too. Well, that's also true. Not saying my job is on the line, but a lot of my brethren are. Everybody's is. It's uncertain. At some point, you got to just take a chance and go for it and do it the right way. Again, I'm echoing saying I feel like Dana White now is doing it the right way. Should Bellator and Scott Coker want to wait and see if they can pull that off? That's great. And, you know, full disclosure, they're part of the overall Viacom CBS family that we're in right now. And if they do that and that's their choice and that's safe, that's great. But I'm also going to say right now, if UFC can do this the way they're saying they can, I feel like this is the right time. Yeah, it's a weird one here, right? Because on the one hand, when the Nashville brawl happened, which I don't blame, I mean, Strikeforce could have probably employed better security at the time that was the one criticism i thought was right i think strike force in fact did change their security around the cage what was the upshot in terms of how it affected ufc in the long run even the short run and the answer was not much right it didn't really blow back against the ufc that badly but then again strike force was not the brand leader in mma at the time granted it was on cbs a major huge platform but it didn't exactly affect the ufc's business so could you say, well, there's a little bit of concern trolling here? It's hard to say exactly. Here's what I mean. I don't think that the number two having some kind of calamitous issue would necessarily affect the number one. Maybe if it was really bad enough, but probably not. If number two, if number one rather had a bad enough response, something goes wrong, does that affect everyone else? Probably more likely, but even then it would have to be really, really bad. So my point being is if somebody catches COVID-19 at this uh, you know, ESPN staff, UFC staff, a fighter or something, but it's pretty quickly contained and it doesn't spread. I actually don't believe that that would carry really any consequence. Even if a couple of people got it, there would be some damage control that would go into it, but it would have to be something fairly bad, fairly calamitous for it to trickle down into the rest of the industry, even with the UFC's superior market and for more visible position. So I think that Scott Coker is making a fair request in earnest, right? Because he stands to either benefit from the UFC pioneering a way forward and or he stands to potentially get blowback if they mess it up. On the other hand, BC, I just can't keep... I don't think the UFC... If something goes wrong, God forbid, I'm not imagining a worst-case scenario. I'm imagining something maybe bad but manageable and to the extent that it is manageable, I actually don't think it affects Scott Coker, who, by the way, isn't even talking about bringing Bellator back till July, August, maybe even September. Yeah, I agree with you. And then short of a you know calamitous thing where everybody catches it at once and sort of drops, which is ridiculous. But like, it's, we're going to keep going on. And I think Dana White will, as we said before, open the door for not only more MMA and boxing to start getting back into business. And it certainly makes sense that the combat sports elements would be first because they don't have unions and it's it's more uh, it's a smaller playing field. But that will open the door to pro sports, Luke. And just to close on Dana, 
while I do have troubles with the whole like war against the media thing at the moment, he has said a couple comments that really seem to put a bow on it to, to give me some inner peace, which is they're going to spend an insane amount of money to get this right. And also when talking about Fight Island, and I'm really coming from a point where I'm questioning at times, is Fight Island even real or is this some sort of public sort of, uh, uh, you know, negotiation move to try to get the doors to open faster? But, you know, he said fighters and himself may need to be quarantined for upwards of two weeks when arriving or leaving Fight Island, and that's just going to be the way it has to be. I feel like it's time. Let's do it. Let's start off this show for once, Luke. And I know this has been the this has been the most important story. That's why we're hitting it hard every week. But I can't wait until we start off morning combat talking about that fight that we just watched two nights before. Yeah, I, I'm the same with you on that. Last thing on this, you're right about that. I heard that in the interview with Kevin Ioli, Dana White saying that you know people say I don't take it seriously. Well, they say that Dana because you have made comments about the virus itself that was just not very reflective of any kind of public health consensus. However, BC, you're right. On the other hand, saying I might have to be quarantined for two weeks and I'm not planning on having a gate anytime soon, anytime for a while, tells you that whatever he thinks about the virus and whatever he thinks about the government response to the virus, he's planning for a world where people in positions of power essentially over him right? Mayors, governors, commission members, to an extent anyway, they're not going to agree with his consensus about what should happen. So now how do I develop my business in accordance with those realities? That's a shift. That's a, that's a level of growth for him that I think he had to mentally take. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he's going to the state apparatus again. I don't know what's in next for us, but I do know that they want to succeed. And I do know they don't want any blowback for their organization or the sport. Will they get it right? We're going to have to see, but I do think their head is in a much better place. Though I will recall at UFC on Fox 3, after Dave Meltzer had noted how poor the ratings were, uh, Dana, I won't say, yeah, kind of mocked him for being laid off from Yahoo. So whether or not he's taking pleasure in the potential misfortunes of journalists, I don't know. But if he is, it, it wouldn't be the first time. Neither here nor there. All right. Well, he does let's move like on pleasure. As... He does like pleasure spike with pain, and uh, music is his aeroplane, Luke. All right. Fair enough. There. He does love the uh, some red hot chili peppers. All right. Let's move on to our third story here. Speaking of fights, Brian Campbell. Let's get yes. into this now. Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz is gonna get a title shot at UFC 249. Dana White has defended this, saying he's still one of the best guys in the world. However, he hasn't fought in almost four years, and he is currently unranked. BC, I'm in the giving mood. I would love for you to go first on this one, because I know you got ants in the pants about it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. <laughs> is this the right call by the UFC, or is this just strange calls and strange times? Uh, look, we're, you, it's hard to answer that right now, Luke, because we're in such a strange time. So, no. And we're also, by the way, coming right off of where Jose Aldo was picked for this spot, coming off of two defeats, including to the current top contender, Marlon Moraes, who's you know up there in a crowded bottleneck division to begin with. So we're already in a weird spot, yet it almost feels like Dominic Cruz somehow makes a little bit more sense than Aldo, even though it makes... In reality, less sense, and in the overall picture right now, of course it makes no sense. Yet at the same time, this is a fantastic story. One that's really getting hidden within everything having to do with 249 and COVID and Tai Chi Palace, as as I would say and Luke would get upset about. <laughs> but Dominic Cruz is a obviously a legend, but here's the deal, Luke. He's the most inspirational figure or person I've ever come across in pro sports, interviewing, covering, being around. And I don't think that necessarily, you know, is a free pass to cut the line, which he's essentially doing right now, considering we do have the Marices, the Petra Jans, the Aljamain Sterlings, who are certainly much more deserving at the moment. But they're just trying to cut and paste fights together. I mean, that's what Ferguson Gagey is at the moment. So under that setting... This is a great fight. It's a great story, a great opportunity. Yes, Cruz hasn't fought in two years. Yes, that was a loss, but it wasn't a title fight to Cody Garbrandt. And even though Cruz refuses to sort of uh, put weight on it, uh, he was injured in that fight. That wasn't him, so to speak. Obviously, he's going to have to prove four years later, can he Can he do that? But if anyone can do it, it's him, Luke. He's done it before. This is such a great story and a great opportunity. And it really has nothing to do with the fact that uh, the cringe master, you know, is is the champion right now, Henry Cejudo, and a lot of us are just like, oh my god, that cringe is killing me. This is just a very interesting matchup to see if this great veteran champion can add a type of almost Paul Bunyan-esque layer to his resume, Luke. I love it. I can't wait to see the fight. Their styles match up so interestingly well, and sometimes you just have to put the journalistic pen down and just cheer for someone from the standpoint of, of inspiration and encouragement and just loving what, who they are and what they bring to the game. And in a lot of ways, that's Dominic Cruz. This one is weird for me because I'm all over the place with it, BC. I mean, let's here's the thing. Let's just talk about brass tacks, which is where is this fight taking place? Yes, Jacksonville. But I mean, what kind of card? Now, Dana White told Kevin Ioli that those cards on that subsequent Wednesday and that subsequent Saturday, he doesn't know if they're airing on ESPN Plus or ESPN. He just didn't know at the time. I guess we'll have to end up seeing. I suspect it'll probably be ESPN Linear because they're desperate for content, but whatever. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But he's fighting Dominic Cruz at UFC 249. You're going to sell this on pay-per-view. Let's just say what it is. If you're going to have a pay-per-view, you've already lost Khabib. You need something if you're going to have another title fight that has some kind of intrigue. And unless you're a hardcore, 
Peter Jan versus Henry Cejudo does not have that kind of bigger picture intrigue. I talked to Corey Sandhagen. They didn't even offer him the fight, and he beat Rafael Sunsau, who, of course, beat Aljamain Sterling. So you could talk about Sterling and Sandhagen. Neither of them got offered a title fight, right? They both got left, uh, you know, hanging out to dry, so to speak. They went straight to Cruz. Cruz is unranked, as I mentioned, and has not fought in three and a half, nearly four years. But as you indicated, he came back against Mizugaki after a long layoff and blew the doors off of him. He came back against TJ Dillashaw and proved at least he was competitive at the time with the top of that division. You have seen this guy take massive amounts of time off and then come back and be very, very competitive. So between that and his name value recognition and his story about dealing with injuries and how he is known to fans for being a commentator and a brilliant mind who can sort of figure out his way through most problems, it becomes a significantly better fight in terms of intrigue for the kind of audience you're trying to appeal to. Remember, the biggest audience in MMA is not the hardcore audience, it's the casual audience. Dominic Cruz is the bridge to get to them much more easily. So I think that's a big reason why this fight is happening. In the end, I don't know if he's going to beat Henry Cejudo. Neither do you. Like We have no clue. What I will say is UFC is running a risk. Because if Peter Yan fought Henry Cejudo and got the doors blown off, you would just say, well, Cejudo is just that much better, and we gave him the best guy he could fight, and that's that. On the other hand, if Cruz goes up in there and gets molly whopped, I'm not saying he will, but let's just posit a scenario where he does, UFC is going to look like they made a craven, craven move to just move pay-per-view units when 20 million Americans were out of work. On the other hand... If he goes in there and at least is, makes a strong account of himself, or Brian Campbell, can you imagine if he wins the title, Woo. he'll be completely vindicated, even if there were more, let's say, cynical reasons for why this fight should take place. They're betting on themselves to win here one way or the other. And let's just be uh, you know, out and open with it. When Aldo was announced for this, I ended up just going, look... Uh, how could it be so wrong if it feels so right? The fan in me loved it. But this is all under the guise of this. Look, this is a, a middle finger to the rankings, but this isn't the first time. So I'm well, that's not me saying that's the best way to do your promotion. At the end of the day, MMA is entertainment. UFC is an entertainment business. 46-year-old Dan Henderson got a title shot just a couple years ago after elbowing Hector Lombard in the face viciously a few times. Like, it doesn't always make sense. They've done this before. They're going to do this again. Under these circumstances, though, I, I don't see how you can really criticize. Normally, yes, you can criticize. Jose Aldo in that spot, it was a little dicey, right? I like Jose Aldo. I like the story potential there. Uh, but under these circumstances, what are you going to say? Look, what are you going to say? We're just lucky to get fights back. Yeah, I mean, again, beggars can't be choosers. That's a big part of it. I will say, though, I do feel for Sterling and Sandhagen, who themselves were supposed to fight, and I think that all got scuttled because of the California Commission shutting things down in May. Now, maybe they'll get back to it, and the winner of that will then leapfrog into a position to take on the winner of this. But, again, you're in this. we're in this time where the UFC is going to have to make decisions about where fights take place and with whom that are just not going to be anything resembling normal. And I don't think that we have a responsibility as fans or media to just go along with it. On the other hand, because of the unique nature of what Cruz has shown, you can't immediately dismiss it, BC. You got to say, look up there. Outside of the fact that Cruz did lose his last fight to Garbrandt, although, again, it was a title fight, is this this remotely... I mean, is this like... 
what am I trying to say here? When GSP came back and got the middleweight title shot, never fought in the division before, hadn't fought in X amount of years, I know he's coming off of wins, but that was at welterweight. It's kind of the same thing. Stars get extra special treatment normally. It is what it is. This is a great story, all things considered. Love it. Embrace it. It's going to be great. And the cringe era might be over at Bantamweight. We're going to find out, Luke. Yeah, if Dominic Cruz does that, he'll be a legend in the sport forever. All right, we move on to point four now, Brian Campbell. This is some news that you broke. I was like, look at my man BC out here breaking news like a goddamn champ. Amanda Nunes, your champ champ, says she's not going to fight at UFC 249. Originally scheduled to take place against Felicia Spencer at, uh, what was it, Featherweight, I believe, right? If, I, if memory serves. Yes. I can't remember anymore. Yes. And uh, she said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Need a full camp. Don't have one. Even though she lives in Florida. Not not going to not going to take place here. All right, BC. Again, I'm in the given mood. I'd love for you to take this one since you broke the story. She told you her reasons in in basic detail about why she didn't want to do it. For those who didn't hear it, what are those reasons? And then more importantly, do you understand her decision making process here? Uh, she said, which is what, what you just said, that she's a champion. And at this point, with the uncertainties of coronavirus, even though she's been allowed in the ATT gym each day under, you know, one on one with a coach for a couple hours to do some drills. She doesn't feel like it's worth the risk in this craziness, which, by the way, to understand her personal situation, engaged to Nina Ansaroff, who is pregnant with their first child. You can understand that that's a different scenario. Add in coronavirus, add in craziness. She just thought it would be better off for me to push it off a little bit. She's not talking about next year. She's talking about June, most likely. In this spot, you saw a, a huge sort of reaction online. I think rightfully so, of people being like, yeah, take that stand. Um, I loved it. I love that she felt, for her sense, it was better off to protect, to do it the right way, to not rush it back under these circumstances. That doesn't mean, though, Luke, that it's wrong to be a cowboy Cerrone, Anthony Pettis type who, you know, that fight matriculated out of nowhere, and it's a great fight, and it's in the preliminary main event of this loaded card, and that's who those type of fighters are. They're they're sort of always ready to go into battle for, for a payday or just the opportunity. There can be two different kinds of fighters, just like when Dana White goes on these interviews and says a few times, um... There's no penalty if you don't want to fight right now. Now, when we hear that, we go, yeah, right. Company men and company women always sort of get to the front of the line, and they do, but they do in every business. So I like that there can be two sides of the street and that someone as powerful and famous, oh, and she's also the greatest female fighter of all time, and Amanda Nunes can take the stance and be like, for me, it's better off that I take another month and do it right. Yes, yes, yes. Doesn't discount the, the, uh, the opportunistic people who don't need or want that. It's, uh, it's, it's how life should be, Luke. I love it. I'll say this. You mentioned the fact that her fiancé, or her, I guess, or no, is it, are they married? What's their status? I, think they're, I looked that up today. I think it's still fiancé, but, but life partner, okay. whatever you want to call it. They're wonderful. Sure, their partner. Her partner is, is pregnant with their child, and so having a degree of caution, I can only imagine, right? Shouts to my daughter. She turns one today. I have to take her this week to go get her shots at a hospital that's not more than a mile from here, and I'm terrified of what might happen at that hospital. So I can understand having a strong degree of reservation about wanting to put yourself through this in the middle of that kind of an environment. Totally get it. I'll just say this. I don't question her decision at all. It's just a reflection of, of what leverage gets you right? And how different the reactions have been inside MMA versus boxing. You know this. 
Brian, there's like nobody clamoring for these top fighters to get going again in boxing in the way that there has been inside MMA. You even had, who was it, a Bud Crawford this week. Now, he gets paid as part of his check from the gate. And he's saying, listen, there's no gate. You're going to have to pay me more. I doubt promoters are going to want to be in that position. So there's a real concern on the boxing side that while MMA, you might get some of the bigger fights. We're going to lose some of them too. But in boxing, you might get a lot of mid-tier guys who are really to compete but not allow the bigger ones because they're going to be out financially and they just don't feel like it's worth it to them. Here's the point. When you're like Amanda Nunes and you have built and built and built and built, during that path, you're going to take some risks. Some fights you're going to take when you don't feel 100%, and I know she had that one fight with Shevchenko that she didn't take at the last second, but in general, she has taken and stepped on and over every tough challenge that's been in front of her, and I'm sure sometimes she didn't feel great, and sometimes she wasn't appreciated, and sometimes she didn't get the bump, but she had to keep moving forward until now she's knocked out Ronda Rousey, and she's knocked out Holly Holm, and Cyborg, and everyone else in between, and you know Raquel Pennington, and she beat Duran Demi. She's beaten every one of her contemporaries. She has found herself at the mountaintop. Uh, she is in a place now where she can have a little bit of discretion about what, what do I want to do if I'm going to put all of this that I've built, or at least parts of it anyway, at risk. And this was the conclusion that she came to. This was the way in which she had assessed this. Now, she's going to get paid no matter what uh, because she's a champ. But if she loses this, what happens to that 145-pound division? She would not get paid another time for that. I don't believe it was if it was in that weight class. So there's also some financial considerations in there for her. If she couldn't get the full camp, who could possibly, honestly, be against this? And the last thing I'll say on this, BC, is, dude, if she hasn't earned the right to say, yeah, yay, maybe nay, Honestly, who has? Well, I, and I hear what you say. You know, she she has the leverage. That's why she can pull this off. Well, yeah, definitely. But unless more people with leverage attempt to do this, then you're going to have, uh, you know, a, a deepening on the idea that fighters don't have any rights and they're just sort of, you know, always have to fight her or always have to be rushed back in. So this creates, I think, the right precedent where if you want to wait a little bit, you can. And, and look, again, if she's waiting until next year, that's another conversation. She said, let me wait a month. Like, can we can we chill on that? If anyone has any problems with that? I mean, this card is already loaded enough. 249, seriously. It's a fantastic card. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing Felicia Spencer is not thrilled with it. But, you know, she's the champ champ. Sorry. And I'm not sure what to say. I feel bad, but sorry. All right. Point five. Let's get to it now here. This one was really interesting to me, BC. Robert Whitaker broke his silence. I, th I think speaking to the Daily Telegraph was the name. Obviously, he had a fight at UFC 248. He pulled out of it. He may still take on Darren Till in the future. But there were rumors at the time that he had pulled out because his kids had some kind of bone marrow issue and needed a transplant. And he says, I was crazy rumors. He doesn't know where any of that's coming from. And in fact, what really happened was he was burned out. He was burned out. I want to start with this one in, in asking the question about how believable we assume this to be. Here's my response to this, BC. I would love to get your perspective, but let me go first if I may, which is... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I completely believe that what he is saying, uh, I have no idea if what he is saying is true. But what he is saying has all the hallmarks of it because we've seen it over and over and over and over again with other champs. I've, I've asked Israel Adesanya, the man who dethroned him, how do you keep up this travel schedule and this training schedule and this fight schedule where you're constantly in camp and you're not burned out? How do you do it? We've seen it with George St. Pierre. Once I interviewed him, uh, this was before the Hendricks fight, before he took that sabbatical, and I'd never seen George... So mean, so rude, which is so unlike him, but I knew he wasn't a mean or rude guy. He was just completely wiped by the whole process. So the 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 the, the things he is saying are true. And remember, this guy had injury after injury, hard fight after hard fight, time off, and then you get injured and you have to come back and rebuild yourself and you have a tough fight, you gotta heal, you have to come back and rebuild yourself, and you had last minute cancellations, and the 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 pride of a nation hangs in your hands and it's just a lot to weigh on for a guy who's got three kids and he wants to be home. That story he's telling is true. And I don't want to give credence to the rumors. They were unsubstantiated. The bigger outlets who usually can you know, figure out what's what, they never said anything about it. The only thing I want to caution people against is a lot of times fighters will say things to the media that are not true and they might do it to protect a loved one. Is that happening here? I have no reason to think that it is. I have no evidence. All I'm saying, BC, is I'm not saying those rumors were true or that the story he's saying is false, but rather always keep a little bit, just a little bit, of uh, their comments about things like this. Take them with a grain of salt because you never know the motivations they might have for saying them, but I believe he probably was burned out, and if that's the case and he's got that under control, he's still young enough if he hasn't taken too much damage, BC, to make another run at that middleweight title. Yeah, I, I tend to believe him because I think there's evidence in there. His body constantly giving out was a message that there was an overload. This grind was too much. And I think if you really read the details of that story, this epiphany came to him on Christmas afternoon when he's running hills like a maniac to prepare for a next fight. And, you know, it, it, he explained how when he transitioned from welterweight to middleweight and really went all in on the sport and his coaches said, look, if you train at this level, if you get your mind right and you get to this level of, of, of warriordom and you live this, you could be, you know, limitless potential. You could be champion. Well, he lived that. He got that. But there is a price to pay for that, Luke, when you're around the clock, around the 12-month calendar like that all the time. His body broke down. I wouldn't doubt uh, mentally he was breaking down, which George St. Pierre was very open and honest about when he did step away from the sport. That, like you mentioned, that pressure of game planning and protecting and defending is is got to be, look, I mean, heavy as the crown. We know that. So here's my point on this. Um I think the best thing that could have happened to him was that mo that recent defeat and this opportunity to reset. Athletes need this. It's certainly harder in the UFC when you can't just take a year off. The, you know, there's pressure to defend. The interim titles pop up. You can get stripped. But when you look at somebody like Floyd Mayweather, who very strategically took off key elements in his prime. I mean, do you remember in 2007 when he beats Oscar De La Hoya, knocks out Ricky Hatton, and becomes a mountaintop star, the biggest draw in the sport? 
Well, boxing, you have more leverage. He was allowed to step away from the sport and control his own narrative. And, and he worked on things like WrestleMania and Dancing with the Stars to build his brand. But those next few years when he was already in his early 30s, He's sort of handpicking fights once a year and taking off the time that he needs to heal his hands, to heal emotionally and physically. You cannot do that again in the UFC if you are champion and have a long reign, which is why I think we need to pause more often and look at the kind of streaks that George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, and John Jones went on because they're ridiculous. And Amanda Nunes is currently going on to mentally and physically be able to retain all that. Everyone's body is different. Everyone's mind is different. I really respect Robert Whitaker for coming clean about what happened because when he pulled out of that recent fight, it was obvious that something out of the ordinary happened. And I don't think it's any harm done should he take as much time as he needs to reload because Luke, time away from any grind, you know, especially our jobs when we're going a hundred miles an hour juggling, you know, projects and going nuts. You got you got to be able to reload, and and that isn't always given for an opportunity when you're on top. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Tom Lawler told a story about overtraining as well, where he had he didn't even realize how overtrained he was, and then he went into the weight room for a weight training session. I think picked up a barbell, and then in a way he can't explain, dropped the weight, went back to his car, sat in his car, and broke into tears. Because his body was and his mind was so fried by all of this, and he wasn't even aware of it until you get to a breaking point. That's usually the problem. You either reach some kind of physical breaking point, which you had indicated, or a mental one. Uh, and they're both kind of bad, but at least at this point, he has an opportunity to reset. You know, you think of these fighters as like they're so in tune with the fight game and what they have to do that they are able to figure everything out about themselves and about the task at hand. And the reality is what often they're doing is just throwing the book at the wall and seeing what sticks. And until they have understood that process of trial and error and like, I can do this and I can skip that, it usually is run until the wheels fall off and then they make a change. I wish there was some kind of way to have an intervention before they get to that point, but I guess we'll have to see if training to how it gets better in the future. The one challenge I would say to what you said, though, Brian, is you had Floyd. I think you're right in the sense that it was good for him to take time off in the times that he did. But part of that was, one, the leverage scenarios and how important he was as a promotional feature for any television network or his or a, 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 any rival fighter he was going up against. Right, It's a big to-do when he competes. But the more important part is um, Floyd was ahead of the game. He had time to take off because his peers were not as good as him. And I know at the end of his career, he got a little bit selective about the timing, about when he would take certain fights and under what circumstance. Canelo a little early, Cotto a little late. Okay, fair enough. But you can't really do that in modern MMA, not merely because the promotion won't let you, but because if you do, chances are the game will just pass you by. We'll find out sure. if that's the case with Dominic Cruz, as we indicated with UFC 249. But it brings up something we've talked about a lot on this show and really just privately, and then it's a discussion point in the industry. People mocked Fedor for having great wins and then cans, and then great wins and then cans. Yeah, but the reason why his streak was so long is because he had those breaks in between. I'm not saying that the UFC needs to completely change their mode of business. But what I am saying is Robert Whitaker is not going to be the last guy to be ground into dirt. And if it's a way to avoid that by giving them other potential matchups in the interim that don't drain them in that kind of a way, I don't know why that's the worst idea in the world. And also what's a really bad idea is fighting Yoel uh, Romero for 10 rounds in the span of like 13 months. That'll, that'll break you down physically and mentally. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah, avoid that at all costs. 
Last thing on this before we go to the DMs with Donks, do you like the idea of tune-up fights in UFC, or are you against them? I mean, at face value, do I like it? No, because what has made UFC so successful that there's no tune-up fights unless you're at the Conor McGregor level, which even then, you know, it, it's so rare. But, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. You can't keep... I mean, it's, it's really, Luke absurd what Silva, GSP, and Jones have done over that long length of time. I know Anderson Silva fought a couple of Patrick Cotes in between, but you get my point. Um, it's it's unsustainable for boxing or MMA to take hard fight after hard fight, and that's why so many of the greats from the 80s in boxing that we love had very smaller windows career, you know, careers at the very top. It's hard to do, but... Um, uh, yeah, a little bit. If you can lower it just a little bit. I mean, Dominic Cruz for Henry Cejudo right now is sort of that perfect matchup like we talked about where it hits the entertainment, it hits the storyline, but it will it be as much of a physical grind if he got in there against Peyoche Yan? Probably not, Luke. And we haven't talked about it. Conor McGregor taking all that time off. A lot of it might be related to indiscretions outside the cage or whatever other issues are happening in his life, but if that keeps him fresh and he's able to get back and compete, we'll see how things go with travel. It may not be the worst thing in the world either, you know? Yeah, you've we'll taken a lot of time off this show, and, and, and look at it. You're as happy as you've ever been right now, Luke. I've not taken a multiple times of uh, time away from this show. What are you talking about? Well, it, it let Chuck Mindenhall come into our lives, so I, I, didn't, I didn't hate yeah. it, but it, it gave yeah, you the rest exactly. you need to put a smile on yeah. your face. You're welcome. How about that? All right, let's time, uh, time now. Let's get to it. It's where your questions come into the show. It's DMs from dogs. Let's hear it. Let's do the old. There it is. You know, not being able to hear any of the production elements puts me on mega tilt. Can I say that out loud? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go first here. Oh, Jesus, I can't read shit. Uh, this comes to us from Front Side Nah Comply. What are these names? Do you think that Gaethje will still only fight five or six more times? He said that a few fights ago, but hasn't really gotten hurt since fighting Alvarez. What do you think, BC? I think his fighting style may only uh, may only allow, seriously, in reality, five to six more times at an elite level if he continues to fight like that. Yes, he's made the really nice adjustments that we've talked about that have made him a title contender, and finishing three straight people in the first round is certainly a way to um, not take on a lot of damage. But as his... Um, as his skills, you know, the, the better you fight competition and the, the more you put in there, it's going to take a lot out of you. At the end of the day, the guy's a hard-nosed brawler. Five, six more times, that could last him a few years. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's how it goes. Uh, that's only two more years. I don't believe that. I, I think he competes for, I'd say, three or more because it's really going to depend on what kind of fights he has. Now, I'm expecting that Tony Ferguson fight, win or lose, to take a pound of flesh from both of those guys. But if he has three more fights after that, you know, I'm just I'm positing a scenario where it was like the Vic fight and the Barboza fight and the Cerrone fight, where they all three end in the first round. He's going to have a lot more than six, so it really is a function of how difficult the fights are. If it's like the first three he had in the UFC, yeah, he might have only five or six more. If it's like the last three, he could have potentially uh, a significant amount. We'll have to see. All right, this is from uh, MG underscore MMA. How will UFC acquire new talent with regional shows likely not running events for the foreseeable future? BC, they're going to become their own regional promoter. They're going to have Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. I mean, I'm not declaring news. I'm, I'm giving my opinion, but they're just going to act as their own regional promoter if they have to. Yeah, I mean, they already sort of have in a lot of ways with that Contender Series, which really has produced nothing but viable contenders right from the launch of it. So I think they've eliminated that need to some degree. But um, 
in terms of that, the spirit of that question, I feel like, Luke, we're going to have a full year of weirdness when it comes to how this uh, virus affects combat sports. But I have to feel like it'd be business as usual after that. And I'm not saying that year of weirdness won't delay or change things. But um, I don't know. I feel really optimistic, Luke, that, that we're not through the hardest parts. But getting fights back is a major hurdle. Empty arena business isn't the best for, for consumers or probably for fighters. But that'll be the bridge that gets us there. I mean, if you had to guess right now, Luke, if somebody put, put a revolver, uh, deer hunter style, and you put on a red headband. Um, when do we have crowds again? And it's like this never happened. A year? Like this never happened? No. Two okay. Forget years. the last part. How about crowds again, Luke? So let's say let me let me posit a scenario: five hundred or less. Right. That's not a. It's not a great crowd, but that's you can get. No, noisy. no. I'm talking. I'm talking full crowds, Luke. I'm talking not every other row. I'm talking full crowds. Next April? Yeah. Next January? No. Maybe. No, uh, two three years, easy. Two to all right, Luke. Two, hold on, look, time out here. All right, two to you're three. Saying tw- you're years. saying twenty thousand people in a, a venue? Yeah, yes, two to three I years. Am. Yes, I am. Yeah, two to three years. I'm not saying that 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 the Corona quarantine's over by July first. Believe me, I'm saying that we probably learned a lot of lessons from this that will apply to our lives, Luke. Like you know, you and I, we I think tip to tips out the window. I may never even shake your hand again. We may never even do a show in proximity of each other again, Luke. But does that mean a full arena, two to three years? Get the hell out of here! Look how aggressive Dana's been. I feel like we're going. Okay, to- here's a very here's a very simple way to assess this. What are you reading that tells you by not this July but the following you're going to have twenty thousand people together in a room? Because I got to tell you, there is nothing that I am looking at that indicates that's a possibility. All right, I, I, I'm I'm saying all right. Let me let me give you a reasonable February 2021. 20,000 people in a room. Yes. No. Let's do this. Ready? They might come up with an antiviral treatment, okay? In which case, that would be a game changer, and then we're all in a better spot. Um, what is the fastest a vaccine has ever been created? Do you know the answer to that? Um, rubella, 1913? No. Ebola. And it took five years. Five years. Now, the current level of medical investment is beyond even that. I mean, we're way past that in terms of this arms race, essentially, by pharmaceutical companies and other interested parties to make a vaccine. So let's say we cut that in half, two and a half years. Well, dude, it's 2022 or 2023. Um, It's just math. And that's assuming that you can cut the fastest rate ever by 50%. So everyone's like, oh, it'll take at least 12 months to 18 months. That's assuming that the very first human trials all go perfectly. Well, what if they don't? So 20,000 people in a venue? Yeah, dude, your kids are going to be in high school by that point. Look, I haven't made many of my life decisions based on statistics or, uh, or you know. Uh, You're from a factory town, we know. Uh, but uh, I'm giving you that window, February to April 2021. Back in business, baby. I'm telling you, I just here's, have a feeling, here's, Luke, okay? Here's, I, what I will, here's what I will say. Also, here's what I will say. 500 people, 1,000 people, 2,000 people? I'll keep an open mind about that. 20,000? Not anytime soon. Can the business of the fight game, boxing and MMA in general, from the top to the bottom, um, get by on, on, a, on a limited to no gate 
for two years. I mean, maybe well, the highest level of UFC because the television deal is reportedly what seven hundred fifty million per year. But yeah. you know, I, 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 I think. Well, I, here's I the thing. Here, here's the thing. This is why I'm worried about the regional business. There was a great article in MMA Junkie. I think Nolan King had written it. If I got that wrong, please forgive me. And he talked to a bunch of uh, promoters who are regional promoters. Now, the good news is a lot of those guys who are regional promoters, that's not all that they do. Like, I own a car dealership, and also I promote MMA fights. So more or less, they, it's an extra stream of income, but it's not what they build their lives on. So in that sense, they're resilient. In the other sense, though, they make the majority of their money from a gate. They don't have television deals, and if they do, they're not worth very much. They air on the local Comcast Sportsnet for whatever your small area of the country is. So without a gate, they can't make hardly any money. Uh, that I'm worried about. That I'm really worried about. This is why the UFC and Bellator, you might see them be like, oh, we're going to make all of these fights. You're thinking to yourself, how could you do that? Dude, they might have to become in much way in ways that they've never been regional promoters because regional promoters can't make money if they don't have the ability to have a gate. That is the worrisome part. All right. Well, Luke, let me tell you like this. Um, I watched the news this morning. Uh, movie theaters are opening up like today in some states. And I'm not saying that's smart, nor would I advise anybody to go to the movies, let alone get in a public plane at this point right now, you know, April, whatever. But by February 2021, yeah, we're going to have 20,000 people in the arena, Luke. They're probably going to all be wearing masks, or they probably should be. And you'll probably see those, uh, you know, those, those really well-dressed, good-looking people in the front 10 rows at UFC shows. They're probably going to have diamond-encrusted <laughs> affliction masks and all that, and that's cool. But um, when Dana White has said a lot of things, right? We talked about that earlier. The, the worst of it was... If I had a good run, I had a good run. If Corona's going to get me, then come and get me, Corona. That stuff is just ridiculous, gung ho crap. But he has made some pretty strong points about the ingenuity of the American society and the adjustability and the we'll figure out a way to you know to find a new norm and get through this. I can't see Luke, you know, March, April, twenty twenty one, that we have five hundred people in the arena. No, it'll it'll be back, Luke. You'll see, Dude, and then we'll you, look back you, on this day. Have have you not followed any of the stories from all these countries who did a? I have, Luke. But you are also you're an extremist in one direction. Dana's an extremist in another direction. You are the extremist. These are the two balls right here. I'm the dong middle ground, Luke. (laughs) No, dude, you're the extremist. You're the extremist. It is not me. All of these countries who did a phenomenally better job than ours at closing this down have, to some extent, in, some, in many cases, tried to reopen them and have sports. And in virtually every case, it has backfired. And they've had to stop. And they've had new outbreaks. And we're going to have another wave of this, probably, in all likelihood. It's what they're telling us, anyway, in the fall. And it's going to be a much worse one, because that will actually coincide then with the seasonal flu. And that will be a motherfucker of epic proportions. Dude. There is not any expert that I can see, not one, saying there's going to be arenas open with 20,000 people in them by February. That is just wishful thinking, not in keeping with... I understand you want to have optimism, and you want to believe you can do better, and optimism is the kind of way that gets you to a solution-oriented place. I believe that. I'm certain of that. At the same time, you can't figure out real actual solutions until you come to grasp what the challenges are. And until there is a vaccine or some kind of antiviral treatment, dude, it is going to be a long time. Okay, maybe cl- twenty thousand people get what together. What about what about stadiums? Because look, I- I've seen the news. There's a 
thousands of people on the beach in California right now without masks. I'm not saying that's safe, but what if we took those thousands of people with masks and put them in an outdoor stadium and had big fights? That's probably possible by next spring. The, uh, the, they can trace the outbreak of COVID-19 in Italy to one particular match between Valencia and Atalanta. Now, that was before everybody knew everything, but the point being is they called it, what did they call it? They called it a COVID-19 uh, nuclear bomb they, because of how much it spread from that one game. I went back and I looked this up. In the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, you can trace upticks in, in the, you know, they would, have, they would have an outbreak and it would go down and then they would relax restrictions and they would have public gatherings. You can trace to those public gatherings a respike in conditions. So what's about to happen? I don't know. I do think there is a case state by state because not everybody is New York, for example, where some restrictions and some easings in a carefully constructed way can get us there. But I keep telling people this, dude, what are all the experts, not me, what are all the experts saying we need to have to open up again? We need to have or th- three times per day as many tests as we have now and an army of contact tracers to get there. We have neither of those things. So where is this confidence coming from? Just because you want to be happy? Well, everybody wants to be happy. I'd rather understand what I'm up against. All right. If that's the case, you're going to get, you're just giving me a lot of murder is the case you're going to give me. And, I, and I, I'm going to give you a middle ground, Luke. And that middle ground begins between February and April of next year. I'll see you at the fights, Luke. All right. Very good. This comes to us from KS, no, BP one What non-combat sports do you find best increase fight IQ? For example, bouldering, rock climbing, Parkour, gymnastics, soccer, diving, etc. What do you think, BC? They best increase fight IQ. Yeah, that's a weird one, huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm smart enough for that, Luke. I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't go to the College of William and Mary. All right, I, were, I was a janitor <laughs> at Stop and Shop during those years. All right, well, maybe. Hey, dude, I've, I've mopped toy. I've burned feces for the United States military. Whatever jobs you've had, they've not been as bad as mine. Um, could parkour increase your uh, uh strategy? I don't know, Luke. Gymnastics could, right? Body awareness. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. Okay, we're figuring this out. Um, could soccer? Yeah, I guess there's footwork elements. Dominic Cruz has a very soccer-like fighting style, right? <laughs> I guess. Um, how about dancing, Luke? I know you met your wife at a shooting gallery, dancing. but how about dancing, Luke? That could probably help, right? Yeah, I've known. Uh, I knew a guy who was a black belt who had a school, and he also was a competitive salsa dancer. Oh, hey, is there a right. connection? Maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't think. I think all the other ones they can help. Not so much with fight IQ, which is like decision making ability in the middle of a fight. I don't know that any of those help you. I mean, maybe bouldering does because you have to make you know. But that's slow decision making too. So I, I don't know about those. I mean, maybe there's an answer there. Maybe there's not. But the other ones, like gymnastics, dancing, um, yeah, I don't know. Any sport that requires you to develop certain sensitivities to how your body moves and weight is distributed and balance and, and footwork, that could have a, a carryover benefit. But fight IQ, BC, I don't know. You know what sport will F your body up? You ever play racquetball, Luke? Yes, I do. I played racquetball uh, competitively for a while. Oh, wow, that thing. Good Lord. There's muscles you didn't even know you had that are pulsating after that, Luke. Yeah. You ever played squash? No. That's rich racquetball. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, you know. Okay. Yeah, I have, you, I've I, only played, 
Hold on, hold on. I had a single mom growing up. I don't want to hear it, okay? Uh, but I played squash a couple of times uh, with friends. Racquetball is fun because the ball. Did you play with the blue ball or the green ball? Uh, well, I played. With, <laughs> I had a long run with blue balls, Luke, but uh, I'm not really sure. I knew mind. that was coming, you fuck. I knew it. I knew it. Did you ever play with the green ball? I don't. I don't remember the color, Luke. I don't see color, right? You know, come on. Yeah, yeah. You it's love a, to you know, racism, it, bro. It doesn't matter if if he's black or white, Luke. All right, come on. The green ball is thicker and heavier, so it doesn't travel with the same kind of velocity. Typically, it slows the game down, and it's a little bit different. In squash, the ball is like the size, not even, of my my Samsung case for my earbuds, and you have to smash it to get any kind of bounce it's actually the court is narrower it's a different game obviously it's actually really really hard to play uh racquetball i found obviously very hard to play but a little bit a little bit more fun squash is just intense too intense for me okay i'd like to play you in racquetball luke yeah i haven't played in years but i was good at when i was 16 uh one tournaments in the whole nine yards here we go um i could uh, see you into only solo sports knowing your personality I'm, this isn't a solo show. You don't really like right. to rely on others. You're you're very abrasive towards Jay, well, my ex boy band friend. Listen, and what are you complimentary? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big No Escape fan. You know. All right, Cha underscore underscore Vita. Better rivalry: Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, or Tom and Jerry? BC. What do you think? How about Itchy and Scratchy on that one? Um, yeah, the Itchy Coyote Roadrunner. Uh, Coyote and Roadrunner are timeless. They're the Cowboys and the Indians of rivalries, Luke. Yeah, they're fantastic, all right? Let me ask you about this, though, about Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Are we really going here? Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. Is it really a rivalry? Like, do... Let me ask you. Do lions and gazelles have a rivalry? That seems like one-way traffic to me. Yeah, Globetrotters and the Generals. I hear you, Luke. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? maybe... Yeah, yeah. Who writes this shit, right? I mean, come on, you know? <laughs> yeah, who picked these questions? Was it Gaff? Fire Gaff immediately. No, Gaff's my uh, guy. Okay. Gaff, what, all that shit you see each week, Gaff gets his hands dirty and, 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 and sets it up for me, all right? All right, Gaff, Gaff's rehired. Let's go to this last one, Billy Big Wheels with a Z. In light of Trump suggesting the possibility of injecting disinfectant into your body to kill the Rona... <laughs> What what is the biggest on air slip you've ever had? Oh, BC, you got to go first. Um, I have, thankfully, thankfully, I have not had a a major, but on air slip of any kind. I think one time recording a podcast, uh, I, I had you know you've I've had moments like that where you're not live or anything, and you're just sort of like you know a, a word combines with another word, and suddenly you said something bad. But let me tell you this slip I had one time. All right. Um, you know Twitter, Luke, it makes the world smaller. I didn't grow up like knowing boxing fans. When boxing Twitter got created on Twitter, it was like, oh my God, all these crazy weirdos, they're, they're my people, right? All these people that read my work, I can DM them, we could talk box. There was a guy on Twitter whose name um, was like at Triple G Lomachenko or something like that and regularly would, would type at me all the time and he would post pictures of himself and he was one of those corporate dudes who would do boxing matches and he was kind of ripped and, and like even though he was 40. And one time late at night, I was about to go to sleep and he posted a picture of himself in some corporate thing. So I added him and wrote, um, 
we were having this conversation earlier today that you're definitely on the juice, that you've been riding for a long time. Only I didn't add Triple, triple G Lomachenko. I added Gennady Golovkin. And the, the, the middleweight champion. Remember that guy, Luke? And I tweeted at you Gennady actually... Golovkin. I actually tweeted at Gennady Golovkin. We had a conversation today that you're definitely on the juice. And then put my phone down and went upstairs to go to sleep. And something stopped me on the way up the stairs. Like, wait, was that? Did that go through? Did that actually happen? And it wasn't that random boxing fan who, who I was heckling his picture. It was at Gennady Golovkin. I could not have deleted that thing fast enough and then thought I was going to end up on Deadspin, Luke. Uh, I'm not anything like that, but I've had boogers fall out of my nose on air. I've absolutely farted on air. Probably had two, three dozen times. Um, what else have I done? That's gross. That's pretty gross, Luke. Yeah, that's gross. It's gross. Uh, I had Pepto-Bismol for today's show, so I'm good here, but... Yeah, probably that. Probably just like the SBDs I just leak out on set. I did a bunch of those when you and I were on MMA Beat together. <laughs> oh, come on. that That's disgusting. I once went, went on a date with a girl, Luke. I should have brought this up during the worst date segment last week. She had told me of this story on the first date that in college, um, somebody threw a ke- an empty keg after a rager and it hit her in the head and knocked her out and she lost her sense of smell from it. She had that so Rona. I, I, I later tested that out in the car. She was right. She was right, Luke, you know? So wait, did you take her out to eat? Yes, yes, yes. But if you can't smell anything, doesn't that affect your ability to taste as well? I didn't go that far in the conversation, Luke, all right? I wasn't in it for that, okay? Got some real winners there you pick up, huh? Yeah, those were, uh, yeah, goodbye. You're like, you're like Carol Baskin's, you know, the husband she allegedly murdered, just putting a handgun in the car and telling people to get in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right. This is already. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure she's the weird one. I'm sure it's not him. No. No. Uh, all right. Then I think that's it, right? I think that's it for the questions. Yeah. Uh, it's yes, so it rare is. to do okay. a show with, without you rushing me through it, so you can get to your next job. This is a great pace, Luke. Yeah. Well, I got uh, bills to pay, my friend. I don't know about you, all but right. I certainly do. With that in mind, take it away, BC, your chance to steal the show. Yeah, look, you know what we do each week? Uh, we scour the globe for the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between. It's have you seen this shit, Luke? And I've got some great-ish this week's that don't involve dongs, that don't involve weird stuff, that just involve fights, Luke. I got a trio of insane MMA finishes to kick us off. You ready? Have you ever heard of a fellow named Samuel Ilnicki? Neither have I, Luke, but check out this amateur KO on Golden Ticket Promotions. Good Lord. Luke, tell me a better head kick KO than this and watch the tooth come out. Oh, dude. Oh, wait. Watch the soul come out, What was he doing? He Uh, just bends over at the waist. Look at him. Oh. Oh, God. I mean, that's about as good as it I know this is amateur regional MMA, so anything can happen. Like a fan man could drop in, the, the floor could open up, and they could fall into a uh, sinkhole. But look at this. Oh, God. Dude, I, that is regional. I tell people all the time, I don't know what's going to happen with it now, so it's a little bit, I guess, doesn't matter anymore. But, dude, 20 bucks for a regional MMA card? That might be the best money you can spend in MMA. Dude, did Just you have to see, one, all you know? seriousness, you ever cover a Bellator card and they have the post limbs after the main yes. event? Dude, yes. they're just dragging bodies in and dragging them out. Those are some mismatched-ish. <laughs> you want to see dead bodies? Go check that out. But this guy, oh, man, Luke. I thought we weren't allowed to show death on the show. All right, let's roll on. This might be the 
this might be the greatest submission I've ever seen since uh, Demetrius Johnson and uh, and that that other guy. Uh, what was that guy's name? Ray. Oh, the old flying armbar. Yeah, who did my? my and he maintains it. And he crossed his feet. Wow, Luke, that's really. I think I've good seen right this one there. before. That's fan friggin' tastic, Luke. Yeah, that's good body control. Uh, and then to go back to your back like that is better. Uh, the guy fell out of the ring too. That's amazing. Ray Borg. That's who I was thinking of. Ray Borg. Thanks for helping me out with that, Luke. All right. Uh, I, I was not listening to you. Sorry. All right. Well, Luke, here cool is submission. actually, I think, the greatest knockout I've ever seen. It's from 2013. Somebody sent it to me. This is Colin Ruder against Gerald Fike. Watch this. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Boom! London you- Bridge is falling down. I didn't think a body could react like that. Oh, my God. Did he break his neck, too? Dude, he looks like he got hit by a car. Oh, look, serious. No, like in all seriousness, that's the greatest knockout I've ever seen. Watch Not even Tiger uppercut. Colin Ruder, what move happened? over, Terry Adam. This guy's oh, been yeah, sent Terry to hell, Luke. Wow. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's roll on. Let's go to the pool, Luke. Let's see a little. Let's see some water slide action. You ready for this, Luke? You ever wait at the bottom for your kids to come down? Ooh, nice duck right there. But uh, I guess he's gonna get yep. hit by a big old fat. There we oh. go. Boom. Oh, yeah, that's damage, Luke. That is damage right there. This was like my mentions three weeks ago. Yes, you, you're, you're ducking flying knees. But look, look at the head go. Oh, that's a KO. That's a KO. In, indeed. Get the deep sea divers out. Well, right, I'm Luke, really sad you do don't that. have anything today from CTE Society. No, well, we'll see. We could could be. Remember, I gave you that barbershop <laughs> clip last week where you can go get the, uh, the, 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 uh, the fire haircut, Luke. Check out this. Would you be down for this? I mean, it's primitive, but it works. Dude, is he like, is that what I think it is? Yes, that's a hammer and chisel. This is very uh, uh, CCCP. I like this. Dude, where do you find this shit? Uh, have you seen this, Luke? That's got to hurt, though. I don't know. Is that is that hair? It looks like a Spanish moss they're just getting off. Yeah. I don't know if it's racist showing this, but this is interesting. All right. Uh, let's roll on here, Luke. Uh, you ever been to a, a wedding and there's a pool involved and then somebody's got to make a splash and steal the day, take the attention away from the bride? It's always probably some old hag. Grandma had a couple too many uh, gin and tonics. Well, Grandma, no. Gra- grandma, hold on. <laughs> Dude, does she not understand that she's not Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yo, G- yeah. Jesus can walk on water. I am with Jesus. She has Jesus no idea, Luke. Huh? No idea. Oh, God. That's got to be embarrassing. Wow. All right. Hey, you know what's embarrassing? I was, at a, I, was, I was at a wedding where grandma started to dance, and I think she had a heart attack. That was ouch, terrible. Ouch. Um, you know they put blindfolds on kids at parties and give them a bat and let them uh, hit a pinata, Luke? It doesn't always go well. Let's check out this Christmas party. Oh, God. That kid got it right in the pills, Luke. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Bro. All right. That was like, this was like my mom when I came home with a report card that didn't have A's on it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You, you disgraced old Marietta, Luke. Now you must pay cutter style. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go to part two on this. Uh, this kid's got a death with everyone at this party's got a death with. Check out this kid in the orange shirt, Luke. Bro, that is oh! too hard of a stick. <laughs> 
Dude, they gave this kid like... Dude, they gave this kid a legitimate weapon from Kung Fu. (laughs) (laughs) They give him like Ninja Turtle shit. Uh, Why'd you just hand him some nunchucks while you're at it? Is that girl in a wooden wheelchair? Look, what is this? Dude, where the fuck do you find this shit? Honestly. All right, let's go to the new hero of this segment. That I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, hold on, hold on. Lit Fails is the name. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your buddy, Luke. Here's the MVP of this segment. Uh, check out his latest trick. There's a um, there's a drone and a balloon, and that's a hot cup of coffee on his crotch, Luke. Can he pull this off? It's not like he's got much to lose. <laughs> oh, well done, Luke. How many takes, bro? How many takes? I hate you. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, celebrations gone wrong in MMA as we wait for the decision here, Luke. Let's see if this fighter... Um, check out this guy. You did not win. Oh, wow. Wow, Luke. Pop. Oh, he's better because so he didn't get the decision? He didn't get the decision. He's so mad he could slap a B. Oh, he did. He just did, Luke. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, wrong place, old, wrong time. Right? Like Turner here. Yeah, this guy, Billy Joe Saunders over here. Wow. All right. Luke, let's roll on to coffee. A lot of people forced to make their own coffee at home, trying different things. Luke, I've got a uh, additive here. If you're out of cream, would you try out Tesco's nut milk? I hate you. Okay, I guess not. Rolling on, Luke. Um, I have to give credit though. Do you ever go and get and get like a, a high priced coffee? And these baristas, they can do magic with this, Luke. One time they did a flower for me. Another time they did I don't know, look like a, a bird of some kind. Check out this this fantastic artist at work here. Looks like a uh, a heart, maybe an arrow, maybe uh, oh god. Oh, god. And it has jizz, too, you sick fuck. <laughs> Look, you got to represent art when you see it. You got, I mean, what is art? Are we art? Is art art? That's fantastic right there, Luke. Wow. Okay. Dude, and you've got, got the art. nerve to be like, I can't believe people think I'm the dick guy. You're the oh, dick you guy. Should. in a. You're more the dick guy than the guy who wanted to blow people to get uh, water at the fire festival. First of all, don't don't ever disparage Andy King's name on this show because we have a staff full of Andy Kings, as you found out. Hey, Luke, um, check out this. Over the weekend, there's there were actually some fights. There was uh, boxing in Nicaragua. There was MMA somewhere deep in Asia. Check out the uh, COVID policy I here. This. Are we going to see this at uh, UFC 249? We'll just spray down Tony Ferguson before the fight? I don't think fumigating fighters is the way to do this. Uh, that could just be me. I mean, Trump did say, just drink a little bit of that that uh, that Lysol. You'll be all right, right? Yeah, about that. Okay. All right. Hey, Luke, let's close with this. I had, oh, check out this. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people doing these uh, tandem videos, see husbands and wives are like flipping each other over, but you got to be careful. Check out these two ladies, Luke. Ball. Oh, <laughs> Rest in peace, tombstone pile driver, Luke. Boom, bro! You gotta flex your core, fat lady. Ugh. You gotta flex that core. Uh, speaking of pro wrestling, Luke, let's close with this. I had no idea until this quarantine that there's a thing called pancake art. Are you aware of this? Uh, again, another hit from Lit Fails. Okay, check out this. Is, check out this pancake artist, Luke. This is incredible. 
Can you taste what, what this guy is cooking right now? That's Fast and the Furious star Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Look at that brilliance, Luke. You, you can go down a long rabbit hole on Instagram looking up pancake art. Do you respect this? I mean, I know like no. once, you, once you eat it, all that work has been you know worthless, but check out the flip on this. No, you're not. You're not in on that. I mean, no. Don't, don't like, the pancake just needs to taste good. I don't need okay. portraits of Jesus in them. All right. Well, there's different kinds of pancake art. Let's go to the next one. Check out oh, this kid. Go. This is the type of here pancake art go. I would do, Luke. I respect this kid a lot. Shout out to this guy right here. That's the kind of this stuff I would hero. do when I'm when I'm small. But that's that's crazy stuff. Let's go to more traditional pancake art. Check out what we got going on here. Is this going to be some lady's flat ass or something? No, 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 no. This is just, uh, see, you got to flip it and. <laughs> All right. Hey, dude, you, know, uh... dude, you have you, you seriously, I don't know who you are. You will text me how upset you are and how unbelievably weird your DMs have gotten. Well, and then have every really Monday weird. comes around. I'm like, is, is this the Monday where he like, you know, figures it out? And then you just lean right back into it. Bro, I have no well, sympathy look, look, for you. There's no None. fights. There's not a lot of content, right? You know what I mean? We're getting the shaft often, so why not just go with that, right? Dude's got a tripod going on. That, well, that's that guy. That's that, that, that adult film actor that's all over the memes lately. He passed away, but he left a, a very big impact on the world, Luke. I see that he did. Hey, but I had Aaron, by the way, I had Aaron Pico on my podcast the other day. I asked him about that horse. You know, you know the, you know, you know the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, what would he say? He's like, yeah, he puts us all to shame. But, uh, but uh, he's he's been doing. The, look, he's been taking care of horses, mucking the stalls, riding them, dancing. That's how he's been getting through this time. All right, shout out to how, Aaron Peacock. Uh, how are you, like, yo? I know you're gonna f- try to come back in Bellator and fulfill the promise of being the most touted prospect in MMA history. Yo, how big is your horse's cock? Is that what you <laughs> asked him? I was like, look, if he's got a big D, let, let, let me search it, right? You know? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Hey, look, I think it's time for your other job, right? I mean, come on. Right? Not exactly just yet. Uh, with that in mind, it's time for Odds and Ends, BC. What do you got for Odds and Ends? I do want to quickly shout out this. Look, did you ever hear of Contenders Clothing? They're doing something right right now. They're... Um, they make all that like old Rocky paraphernalia and Karate Kid. They're donating 10% of their profits to a fund that that pays for fighters' bills. Not not Terrence Crawford, but like, you know, undercard guys, walkout bouts. Those guys obviously not getting paid now. If you order this t-shirt, Luke, you can see going the social distance, 100% of the profits go to the fighters. They're looking just really to like pay somebody's uh, cable bill for the month or, or their heat or their whatever. I respect it. Shout out to Contenders Clothing. Odds and ends this week, Luke. Um, the hell was I going to talk about? You remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sergio Martinez. Sexy Sergio, the Argentinian king, the former middleweight champion of the world. Hasn't fought, Luke, you might remember, since that 2014 stoppage loss to Miguel Cotto when his leg fell apart, his career fell apart. Well, there's been rumors of him coming back for a while. He finally did an Ameri- uh, an, out- an interview with an American outlet, Kern Batia's Ask the Experts podcast. They had a translator. Sergio's 45, Luke, and he not only wants to come back, he wants to rematch Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., and he went as far as saying that they're adversaries, but they could be business partners in this where he thinks if he can get Junior, who's had 
plenty of trouble outside the ring to commit to no drinking or drugs during the entire training camp. This might be a turning point in Junior's life and would get them both back in the ring at the highest level. Luke, he came to the sport late at like 19 or 20. He held up very deep into his 30s. He's re he relies on quickness and athleticism. Would you buy in on a Sergio Martinez comeback at 45? He had one of the he had a spectacular career for how short it was. No, because at the end there, he couldn't take a bunch of a punch anymore, right? I mean, he wasn't chinny per se, but... No, he, he wasn't chinny. The... I mean, he got dropped in every big fight, but he wasn't chinny. His knee no, fell no. apart. His knee fell apart. He was physically frail, as I was just about to say. I don't think he was the same. So do I believe in his 40s he's got some kind of a comeback in him that is reasonable and, and worth taking seriously? No, I do not. I love that man, though. Okay, look, I love him. Right, oh, he was great. He was great. He was, when he was around, he was awesome. But, uh, you know... No. Um, all right. For my odds and ends, Campbell, did you watch episodes three and four of The Last Dance? Did you see it? Uh, I did, Luke. And it's freaking fantastic. Like, seriously, I didn't put out 50 tweets like everybody else, but it's freaking fantastic. It's, it's the best thing that ever happened to our quarantine. I want to talk about uh, episodes three and four where they talk about the Pistons, first of all, lifting weights in the weight room, which I liked. But really, it was Rodman that stood out to me. And I lo what I loved about what they showed with Rodman was here was this guy who a lot of clubhouses and a lot of organizations are going to want to try to make somebody conform to something that yeah. they're that that and, and to an extent you can get that from some people some people can buy into a program can buy into a way of living can buy into what you expected to behave like that's not altogether a bad thing but when you've got somebody who that's not going to work with and they're a tremendous talent, there's no point in being – it's, it's not going to work. And what I loved about what the Bulls had was they kind of had their own vibe. They kind of had their own way of doing things. They certainly had the triangle offense as a strategy on the court, BC. But they recognized, look, Rodman's going to be his own guy. But when it comes time to produce, he can produce, especially after that, that turning point he had with that one bad game when he came to Michael's room and he smoked a cigar together. Uh, and they just – they let him be what he was going to be, and it turned out that was the best way to make it work. BC, I liken it to you, where when I had plans for this show, showing dicks was not really a thing that I had at the top of the list, but you come along, and you're like, we need to show more dicks, and I'm like, I don't know, but I realized, BC, like Rodman, if I, if I let you let your creative vision fly, it actually makes the whole show a lot better and casts a wider net, and together as a team... We can go further. So thanks for the dicks, so, BC. <laughs> so are you Jordan in this scenario, or are you Phil Jackson? And who is Jay? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm like the rest of the Bulls organization. I don't know. I'm just sort of saying, I don't know what place I take. But I do. It's it's it, just to be serious for a moment. The best organizations are the ones that find ways to get the best out of their players, and they do it together. You do have to conform a little bit, right? They they let them go on a 48 hour vacation versus a full vacation. But, vacation uh, slash bender slash bender. Slash bender. But, but at the end of the day, they found ways to just let Rodman be Rodman, and it worked. Well, like Rodman, Luke, uh, when, when, I, when we turn on this microphone, my life may be mayhem in the seconds leading up to it, but when that red light goes on, Luke, it's championship level. That's what I bring to the table. That's what he brought to the table during that. Um, this stock is so fantastic, and, and you know, it's it just... It, we all lived it. It's like I'm. I, I knew all of this, but but it's just the the way it's constructed, the way it's presenting it. 
you didn't really realize what a traveling carnival that team was. You know, you thought of them as just the super elite team. Yeah, they got crazy Rodman, but to see all those machinations and breakdowns and everything Scotty went through emotionally during that season of trying to ask for a trade and all that is, is so interesting. But the best part about this doc by far, Luke, is the fact that Michael's allowed to say the F word every three seconds. And shout out to Ron Harper, who dropped a very good F word. And it's not just swearing for the sake of swearing. Michael Jordan legitimately thought he was going to be looked at badly, if you remember, heading into this doc. He actually did a little bit of damage control and did some public interviews talking about it. Luke, I think he actually looks better off than we ever could have thought. He doesn't necessarily look like what he probably was back then. And I read The Jordan Rules, great book that really... Uh, outlines that 91 title season where he was a dick to people like Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, almost got in fights. We know the famous fist fight with Steve Kerr that happens later, but I've also read uh, a freaking fantastic book called When Nothing Else Matters by uh, Michael Leahy, which chronicles Jordan's two years with the Washington Wizards, where the, the management of that team used him just as much as he used them to get back on the court and live out his dreams once more. But in those books, I mean, he's a maniacal, you know, just perfectionist leader in this doc he's just a really honest inspiring guy and i know that might sound crazy for a dude who's sitting there with whiskey and a in a cigar just ripping people but i feel like he's coming across as so transparent and real and everything he's saying is always backed up by what he's trying to do make everybody better get the best out of everybody and win i know we're not seeing the video of him destroying people although he <laughs> took scotty Brown to the woodshed there in episode four publicly but um, I somehow respect him even more. And I was never a Jordan lover or hater in terms of a fan. I'm, I'm a Boston Celtics fan, so I never really fell into that. But this really, like, I come out of each episode, Luke, not even kidding. Like, where are the where are the free weights? I think I need to get back into uh, finding out how great I can be. Something I think I'm already doing, yet I could be even more. I think I need a Michael Jordan in my life. That's all I'm saying, Luke, okay? I think my marriage would be yeah. better. I'd be a better father. Michael, are you free? Let's do this thing, okay? I could use some uh, of that. Did you see a second wife? I could use some of that, too. I loved how they got into the weight room and how it transformed everything and toughened them mentally and physically. Dude, is it me or does Michael Jordan's liver, is it ready to quit on him? His eyes are so jaundiced and yellow. Have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's some mileage there, Luke. <laughs> my man, must, and I love to drink, but my man must absolutely get busy on the bottle. His eyes appear to be totally just, I mean, glassy at all times, yellow. Wow. Michael Jordan must get, I mean, sauced up chilling in the cut. Unbelievable. Do you think it's weird that uh, we're, that they're not talking about his first wife at all? Like it's not even a topic of conversation in the show? I bet some stuff. I mean, all these documentaries, like, there's nothing that's off limits. If the dude is participating in the documentary, there's going to be some stuff that's off limits. It's just, you know, well, you can say what you want to the audience, but it's not true. True. Do you agree, though, that what makes this doc great is that Michael's performance as a talking head in the doc is a 10 out of 10? Like, they gave him the opportunity yes. to, to roast Isaiah, and he crapped all over him. And Horace Grant calling all the uh, the ninety one Pistons straight up bitches, or was it yes. the, the ninety? I forget which one. Uh, calling them straight up bitches, and then showing how they wanted to interrupt the the bird to magic to Michael sort of destiny that the NBA had set out. But more than that, I just love like this is one thing you don't get out of MMA in the same way. You get a little bit of it, but not nearly the same. Which is when you can build the right team, and you know Kraus deserves some credit for that. He, he got over-aggressive with it, but some of the decisions he made were great. 
It's like Jordan had to take us. Jordan had to have a realization with a triangle offense that I, it can't just be me winning the dunk contest and the scoring contest and defensive player of the year. That's fun, but it's really not going to get us to the next level. I have to make everyone around me better. And so there was a sacrifice there, but also like what Pippen, like Jordan figured out how Pippen works. Pippen just needs someone by his side to cheer him on and to be a team player with him, and he needs to see that and feel that, and then his level of play comes up. And he had kind of figured out what each person needs to get the very best out of them and to get that chemistry working together. We've been telling this to MMA fans. Like, if you don't watch other sports, man, you're really missing out. Pick one that you want. Maybe it's basketball. Maybe it's not. But watching him think through the process of making that chemistry work – People always talk about team chemistry in the news as something that either they have or they don't. And what you see from this documentary is it can be hard to produce. You have to figure out how to do it. And the very best ones find ways to make the workflow easier, but they really they really pay attention to the context that have to be in place and what they have to do to make it possible for everybody else. I've really enjoyed that part too. Yeah, and for as crazy as Rodman is and you love the Carmen Electra stories and all that, the, the, they perfectly identify and encapsulated how smart he was and how hard he worked watching video, studying angles. And, you know, for Michael, who is, as you saw, is willing to drop a load on anybody at any point. Sorry, drop a deuce. Load would be gross. Um, his respect for Rodman's mind and uh, focus when it matters. Uh, you saw the ringing endorsement that it constantly was for Michael to to allow some of that eccentric, eccentricity and craziness. Wow, Jay jumping right in, not only wanting us to move on, but he thinks that, that Doc is awful. Jay, I'll say this, awful. dude, okay. Dude, Carmen Electra is 48 and a 10 out of 10. Are you not blown yeah. away at how, how aging just does not apparently seem to affect her? I wish I was blown away, Luke. I wish, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's friggin' fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, wow. Um, uh, any, other yeah, takes, I, any other takes for episodes three and four? Um, I had other takes about this, but Jay just got my ear and, you know, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Hey, Jay's got a new but, documentary out. You know, you, you want to plug it or just plug him? What's it called? Jay, you got a new doc, right? Jay? Okay, it's being edited right now. It's called On Board. It's about, you know, all those people like Jay, Luke, who have like platinum executive status on every single thing ever and they like fly around the world for free. That's what this is about? Rich yeah. people? That sounds like a great, great great idea when there's 20 million unemployed Americans, Jay, to oh, wow. feature okay. the you're, lifestyles of the rich and famous. Jay, how are you going to defend that, bro? All right, all right. They can't hear him. They can't hear him. I get it. People, yeah. yeah nobody cares. All right. Yeah. Uh, BC, oh. we should tell the folks, number one, if you want to get Showtime, very simple. Go to Showtime.com. You can put up the, uh, figure out everything out there. If you like it, Free trial, you can keep it. If you don't, you can bounce for 30 days. It's all yours. Lots of great stuff there. And in the meantime, you can follow and subscribe to us. We're on Instagrams where the questions go on Sundays. We've got the YouTube channel. Like the video. Subscribe. Any other messages, BC, you want to yeah. give to the audience? We don't have a uh, you know live boxing yet. Hopefully, it'll come back after the UFC. But Showtime this Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime, going to show some Errol Spence Jr. classics. You know him, Luke, the badass, unbeaten, unified welterweight champion. Remember when he went to England and took down the great Kell Brook? Remember when he defended his title against Lamont Peterson? You can relive both of those. Do you want to relive those with me? Maybe crack a cold one, Luke? I don't want to put you on the spot here. I don't know what you're doing Friday night. 
we'll see. We'll see. I have to figure out my schedule out, but uh, it's certainly okay. a possibility. Okay. Uh, but Sorry, that will be I'll on Showtime, I think, what, 10 p.m. on Friday, if memory yeah. serves? 10 Eastern. Memory serves you well, Luke, okay? All right. Well, BC, one of us has another job to get to. Another one of us doesn't. So I'll just say this. Uh, great show. Good talking to you. We've got, a, we've got a little something planned for you guys in the middle of the week. We're still trying to work out some of the details. So stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, very good. And uh, for everyone at on the show here, thank you guys so much for watching. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal. <laughs>